appreciate all of you who called. Thanks for your support. Keep those phones ringing. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 p.m., and up next is Cover to Cover Open Book. Please stay tuned. Cover to Cover Open Book. I'm your host, Dina Serrano, with my Poet to Poet series. Today's program is very special because you'll not only hear Andrina Zawinski read her own poetry, but you'll have the opportunity to both support KPFA as well as to get your own copy of Something About Andrina Zawinski's beautiful and moving volume of poems. You might want to write down the number right now, 510-848-5732, in 510, or out of the area, 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-439-5732. Or you can donate securely online at kpfa.org and receive this precious, coveted book of poems. A lovely gift for someone you love and the station you love that supports poetry and culture. Please call and pledge. So, to receive Andrina Zawinski's book, Something About, call 510-848-5732-510. 848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. This is Nina Serrano. Today's guest is Andrina Zawinski. She's a prize-winning poet, the author of several books. She's a teacher, and she is currently the PoetryMagazine.com editor, as well as facilitator for Women's Potluck and Poetry Salon. We'll be hearing Andrina's work read in a sequence that gives you a sense of the development of her work, the various themes and poetic forms that she uses and explores, and maybe we learn a little bit about poetry itself, and maybe we learn a little bit about ourselves. Welcome, Andrina. Thank you for having me, Nina. It's a pleasure. We're looking forward to hearing your poems. As Len Roberts has said about your poetry, these poems bear the heart of the industrial urban city of remembered prayers, pleas, and celebrations of family tradition. Andrina Zawinski. Something About. This poem is set a little further from home in Kauai, Hawaii, and It makes uh, a commentary inside itself on what happens when you intend to write something and memory is so powerful that you write something else. 
It's called Night Watch. The cobalt sky is soapy with clouds and palm fronds bend and sway above a treasure trove of fish still plying the spiny coral of reef beds. Tonight, I find my father here, dead 30 years, yet sauntering into my watch of stars, into lines of a poem I inscribe on a sheet of night. Later, I will take that dock worker's thumb-worn social security card, deposit it in a bank box in California where he once looked for a job. I'll hold it between my palms, feel it warm in my hands, a bit of sunset inside the chilly April night he died in Pittsburgh, out of work again. With it, I will place the note he wrote to me in a baby record book. I cut your bangs today. You giggled as hairs tickled your nose. Then the honorable discharge papers from the Air Force. Then the governor's pardon for his penitentiary years. Next, I'll stuff inside his billfold, bulging beneath the rubber band he wrapped round it so long ago. And all the empty nights he filled, waking me to watch G-men battle gangsters on swing shift theater. My mother at an assembly line, inspecting pans for imperfections. I'll wedge into the safe box six lit sparklers one fourth of July at Atlantic City. The sticky sweet of saltwater taffy on my fingertips. Bazooka bubblegum fortunes he read to me. The warm musky smell of his underarm where I nuzzled in as he rocked me to sleep. I swear to keep them all locked safe inside, never to release them, no matter how clamorous the banging. Keep them facts of the matter. He was 47, gripped by the vice of bumlock and a failed heart. A shroud of clouds now shape his face, breathy wind, a low hum of him, hooked to a stranger by genes and geography. Oppress a milky plumeria, the graveyard flower in its heady perfume, up against the breast of night. Renew my watch of coastal sky, its dark quiet sulking behind a veil of illusory lights. All its stormy rings winding round the moon. The next section of this book has ekphrastic writing or writing that in some way relates to art traditionally it sticks to one piece of art i like to write addresses to the artist or sometimes to whole collections of art and i especially like to choose a collection that has some social content or relevancy to it so uh, Mar marcel duchamp has said about art art is not about itself but about the attention we bring to it so i'd like to read this poem called the narrative thread for the practice of contest which which is a quilt making ceremony and tradition in east india that was abandoned and these women were encouraged by a social service agency to take it up again they did they sold their quilts it changed their lives it changed their economic situation and what they put on the quilt surprised everyone. And this ex exhibit had been at, called the Narrative Thread, at the Women's Art and History Museum in Washington, D.C. This is written in a Vellanelle form, which is uh, repeating, the first and last lines take turns repeating themselves. The Narrative Thread. They stitch as if we need these blankets to crawl under, these thoughts that toss sweet dreams into fretful nights. They stitch patches of stories onto a tongue of cloth. They stitch girls left to sicken, to die, books torn from them. 
stitch in women's fisted faces on a stammer of speech. They stitch as if we need these blankets to crawl under. They take to needle and thread in a revolution of stitch. Stitch speaking in streets without asking for permission. They stitch patches of stories onto a tongue of cloth. They stitch in women veiled at home, poisoned widows, stitch mango groves to chemical spills, wheat fields to AIDS. They stitch as if we need these blankets to crawl under. They stitch girls burned by in-laws at husbands' pyres, stitch palms ripe with fruit, gang rapes at the hands of authority. They stitch patches of stories onto a tongue of cloth. They stitch quilts for shoppers to slip under with dreams, to sleep between borders, stitched in a revolution of fingers. They stitch as if we need these blankets to crawl under. They stitch patches of stories onto a tongue of cloth. And that's dedicated to the bandit queen, Fulon Devi, born in 1963 and in 2001 was gang raped and murdered. She was a hero to these women, a kind of Robin Hood. I'd like to read from the section of something about that's more elegiac verse. Longfellow has said of it, Waiting alone by the sea, hearing the wash of waves, learned the secret from them of the beautiful verse elegiac. This one echoes a bit off of the other one you heard called Night Watch from my father. It's modeled after Guillaume Apollinaire's poem, There Is, and is prefaced by his line, There is my past, which is really past. And so often when we lose people, even many years later, we think we see them here and there. So this addresses that. It's called We Were Dancing. There are my feet in cotton socks on your toes. There's a Patty Page waltz, my wing bone arms at your waist. There I am with you, bathed in light. I hold on tight. We are dancing. There's long ago and long to come. There's a flutter of leaves on a speechless breeze. There is a wind moving in, in an echo of motion and chatter. There are clouds in the sky. I search for your face. There are strangers, a blur in the crowd, a hum heavy with voices. There is who you have become, your face, a face in the crowd, one of many faces. On a vendor, selling lace in a stall, at Les Pousses de Paris Saint-Ouen. On the lips of a Tunisian, eating chorizo at Gare Saint-Lazare. On the ferry captain's arms, at Pont Neuf, along the Seine. On the soldier, riding the train, watching sunflowers grapple the fields. On the old man's hands, rolling balls across Coquille Square. On a gypsy, I tossed coins for a look at your amber eyes on his face. On the Moroccan Bastille Day, just off Rue Saint-Antoine, in the street, we were dancing. There are words pressed into my fingertips brushing your cheek. There is me missing all that you might have become. You are large. There is you looming above me, wrapped by your muscled arms and dancing. There is your heart beating hard inside my chest wall. There is time passing through me like a conduit. There is long ago. There is long to come. There is this past that is really past. There is me, suddenly without you. Beautiful poem. Thank you. Andrina Zawinski, reading from her latest book, Something About She Has More.
This is called My Mother's Legs. It's prefaced with something from Margaret Atwood's hands that says, This is the journey of the body. It's hesitant footsteps as it walks back into its own flesh. I close my own eyes so I can better see where we are going. My Mother's Legs My mother's legs appeared to me again today, this time in a pivot. Her toes pointed in a brown pump, calves taut, the way I first saw them tighten when she pulled herself up by my father's shoulders under the porch light, when she thought I wasn't looking to kiss him on the cheek. Her legs appeared again to me. There was a stage. It was backlit, draped with velvet. The way she told it with a banner that read, Miss Legs of Mercy Hospital. The honor of bedpans, dated magazines, a job as a nurse's aide. I thought, of course, they danced. I saw my mother's legs again, under the dance hall ball, a flicker of light skipping whitewashed walls in a marathon where she jitterbugged a saw-dusted floor at a moose or the Polish falcons, with men sporting vacant stairs who let her lean into the breadth of their chests and doze for a trophy. I saw them. They appeared again. This time switched and welted by bad boys in Central Park, where she walked alone at dusk, seeking the solace of trees. Mean, she said, rubbing the ghost of their pain from her legs. Some hooligans she never forgot, in stories she repeated to me about the dangers of living away from home, even escaping her own father's belt at her legs. One time I saw them, her legs so pink, she on red and knees, scrubbing the worn kitchen tiles. Baby doll legs, I thought then, watching. When she looked up, tossed the brush back into the soapy pail, a slosh of suds splashing up at us, as she pulled me into the plush of her young belly, the soft sweet of her small breasts, and whispered to me, Now don't you run your roller skates across my clean floor. And how we giggled then, because she knew I would. The last time I saw my mother's legs, they were splayed out from under her. I could not rub away the cold and pale and deadly still. I put some slippers on her feet. This is the life she made for me to walk into. This is the way it works now. I end up on my knees, on the damp ground offering a simple flurry of mums to an altar of earth. In this fourth section of Something About, I lead it off with a quote by Muriel Rukeyser, who says, If one woman told the truth about her life, the world would split open. I like confessional poetry. Some people don't like it, but... I think it has a great place in the world of poetry. This one is called Bittersweets for Camellia, and it has a strange little epigraph by Chief Justice Earl Warren from Brown versus Board of Education that said very simply, segregation of white and colored children in public schools has a detrimental effect. This is dedicated to one of my first and most beloved friends, Camellia. 
The classroom air choked with chalk dust and floor wax. But huddled in close outside on the fire escape landing at West Park School in McKee's Rocks, we tasted chocolates plucked from inside the heart-shaped Russell Stover box where my mother hid her bonbons. A bite for you, a bite for me. The baby Ruth's from the corner candy store cost you your milk money, Camellia. The outside melt the color of your hands, the nougats and creams inside light as my fingertips breaking into the chew. We hummed our sticky sweet delights stowed inside our butteric jumper pockets until the teacher flagged me across the stretch of cement schoolyard over to the iron gate that led back to your row house and my tenement. Across hopscotch lines chalked in, a clumsy journey, swings clanging against a school bell, ringing in the end of play for the day. Don't do that, the teacher whispered, like a secret, like a sin. Words that traveled from a playground of a schoolhouse long raised in Pittsburgh all the way to Charleston one springtime where at the old slave market I plucked from a ballast of stone a camellia a scentless bloom that fell apart in my hands flew in a flurry of spent petals into the wind don't do that words that confounded children in the sunflower state finally able to walk together to school or those giggling under cherry blossoms facing the sprawl of capital monuments or others digging toes in sand on the Chesapeake Bay sharing a peach a bite for you a bite for me or evenings, chins perched on hands, listening together in the quiet to nightingales flowering the dogwood. But this bothers me now, Camellia. The last time I was in Pittsburgh, so many years after, I saw you boarding the 14C back to West Park, arms brimming with McCrory store bundles, a little light-skinned girl latched to your waist. And I stood there, frozen to the curb, unable to wave my hand, unable to raise my voice, dumbstruck by words drifting in from a teacher whose face or name I cannot recall. Don't do that, she said. It's bittersweet, still at my tongue. This poem is called Evolutionary Thoughts. Sir Isaac Newton once said, I feel like a child who, while playing by the seashore, has found a few bright-colored shells, while the whole vast ocean of truth stretches out, almost untouched and unruffled before my eager fingers. I went to a very poor school, and textbooks were a very big deal when we got new ones, so this addresses that. When the biology teacher broke out the new textbooks in our 11th grade classroom, my thoughts ran rife across its pages, almost delirious with the notion I may not have been generated from a mere rib bone of a man made in an invisible almighty God's image. Fresh vocabulary poked around in my mouth. Chromosomal, double helix, empirical observation... Then suddenly, even a local scandal made some sense how the new parish priest could run off to Montreal with the mother of sorrow's poor box alms and our school's pretty valedictorian. 
I even found myself musing at my own grandmother's toothless face, monkey-like, shriveled in her old age on her deathbed, all now just part of the scheme of things, new words on my tongue, heredity, variation, natural selection, everything hooked on evolutionary thoughts. Dizzy on a slant of dust-flecked light, cutting across that classroom desk, with the flip of each slick textbook page, creationism went on trial and lost. And although the case was not closed, enough of that jury was in for me. Banished was my god of butterfly wings, and banished was my god of blazing penance. But... Some things are short-lived as creationists belt intelligent design back into the courtrooms, trying Darwin again in Kansas, Ohio, Georgia, while grad students in Carnegie Mellon think tanks play air hockey with humanoid robots, debating with a fury their rights beyond the laboratory doors. In this last section of the book are some poems I quite didn't know what to call other than transformational in some way. So I love this Lao Tzu quote that heads it off. Truly, the only gift you have to give is your own transformation. I think we're all trying to transform ourselves one way or the other. And I'd like to read this one uh, for a group of people I admire who put all the bounty of our foods on our tables in California and across the nation. Those are the migrant workers. This is called The Pickers, and it's prefaced by Charles Wright's Stronger and Stronger, the Sunlight Glues the Afternoon to Its Objects. The Pickers, back bent and dozens abreast, rise before the sun past the blonde grasses behind the concertina wire running between Soldad and Salinas, moving squats, toss artichokes from sun-pocked fields into pickup cabs, calloused fingers pricked by the thorny thistles. They pour seeds into rivulets of dry earth that will burst into lettuce, chard, the great bouquets of broccoli and cabbage along El Camino Real's humpback hills, where foremen watch, arms folded across their dusty boredom and the long light of days stretching inside another summer. Bodies at work. Long after limbs tire, long after chests heave beneath bird-bone beads, abalone shells, scapulars dangling from red strings, or even chains of gold glinting off the sun, faces muffled in scarves and hoods, sweat scenting the air, backbent, and dozens abreast, birthing a history of earth. And so they move, the pickers, silhouetted against the horizon, westerly winds crossing groves and vineyards farther north, farther south. They move, follow the crops, follow the seasons, Steinbeck's ghost among the harvest gypsies in the fields, pen in one hand, pale in the other, working towards some end. As sure as low clouds cool the day down, the bodies turn toward evening, lay down the ache of the field in the stretch of legs, slope of shoulders, move toward dreams of the unburned, pain-free, unafraid, unspent paper in the pocket for some half-hold on a home on the road, birds skittering tree branches at sunset, pecking at the unpicked. 
I'd like to end with this poem called On Ancient Wings. The little black grackles keep coming back for more. They pick stale caramel corn from the sack, swallow them whole, toe-dancing snowdrifts, all bobs in the delight of the find. Even city doves wait their turn in the blizzard of birds, in the yes, yes, yes of it. One flies a warning, yellow-eyed at my face, as if I would rush her feathers for a spicy hat, her belly for a bit of meat to glaze, breast a bone from which to pull a wish. From where I stand behind the window glass, it is only this upon which I fix my eyes and my desire. The wind along lacy wing bars, early light that flirts a wash across the crown, sheen on bellies and bobs. If these blackbirds survive the cold another morning, then so will I. We have these things that hold us here, this watch, sweet feast, the voiceless scavenging, the yes Oh, yes, of it. You've been listening to poetry by Andrina Zuinski. Andrina, where can people find your work? Well, they can find it locally at Burden Beckett Books in San Francisco, at Pegasus in Berkeley, at Amazon.com. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Yes, you can own your own copy of Andrina Zuinski's book, Something About and participate in the ownership of a radio station, KPFA, and promote the arts, and maintain an independent funding base free from the military-industrial complex because you support us. That's right. If you enjoyed and heard this program and Andrina Zawinski's exquisitely crafted, moving, and socially relevant poetry, call 510-848-5732. I'll repeat, 510-848-5732, or out of the area, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732. And for $50, you'll have something of intelligence and beauty, and you'll keep KPFA on the air. This is Nina Serrano. I guess you've heard me once a month bringing other poets to the microphone who share their hearts with you. And this is your time to do your part to keep poetry alive on the airwaves and this is a beautiful book uh, not just because of the poems which you just heard but the cover if you give this as a gift to someone you love they'll know you love them it's really beautiful so call I'm waiting uh, Erica Bridgman oh someone has called thank you so much thank you poetry lover thank you supporter of the arts Thank you, supporter of Free Speech Radio, KPFA. You can join that wonderful person by calling 510-848-5732, 510-848-5732, or out of the area, 1-800-439-5732. And you can also do it securely online at www.kpfa.org.
Now is the moment to stand up for poetry. Go to the phone. 510-848-5732. 510-848-5732. Make these lights light up. Every time you call, the little board light gets a red light. Yes, 1-800-439-5732 or securely online at kpfa.org. The friendly volunteers are waiting for your call. KPFA is here today. Listeners and programmers joined by the airwaves and community that keep the cause of poetry and free speech the world over wherever the computer reaches but everyone has to do their part there comes another caller thank you caller that caller called 510-848-5732-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732 thank you so much if you donate $50 for the book something about then if you can't, pledge what you can and get the KPFA bumper sticker and you get a bumper sticker that proclaims to the world that you are part of the KPFA family. When you phone, that red light goes on and my heart leaps to know that you appreciate the voices. There's another one. Thank you. The voices of poets and writers who appear on this program week after week, month after month. The voices of the soul straight to your ear. 1-800-439-5732 or 848-510-5732. 848-5732 in 510 or 